0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service.
1: Find in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament. And uh, as you're finding that, let me just remind you that this past Monday night we experienced several big wins as a church at the Hot Springs Christmas Parade. As uh, many of you know, we entered a float into the parade, and not only did we win a trophy for most creative, uh, but we also served, I think, either 30 or 60 gallons of hot chocolate in ministering to many of the, the parade participants in the marshalling area. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, uh, our volunteers that accompanied the float passed out upwards of 1,000 invite cards to our Christmas Eve service on Saturday, December 24th at 5 p.m. So I want to give a huge shout-out to our next gen team of Pastor Josh Tompkins, as well as Miss Danielle, Miss Jessica, and Melody Green, as well as all the volunteers that helped us to make our presence at the Christmas parade last Monday night a big success. So give a shout-out to all of our folks who participated. And uh, we are looking forward already to having a presence next year as well. Now, take your devices out. We're going to have a little fun. Take your devices out. Go to the Slido app uh, that you have on there from our question and answer sessions that we've done in the past. Or if you don't have the Slido app, go to slido.com, S L I D O dot com. I want you to go to the event code 294 5005, and we are going to answer just a few questions on our Crossgate Christmas poll. These are questions that persist every single year in Christmas time, and sometimes people argue over them. But let's just all agree, whatever wins the poll questions this morning, that's the truth going forward, okay? So that's going to settle a lot of marital strife in your home, that's going to settle a lot of challenges in your workplace when you get into these uh, uh, conversations about these topics. Okay, so are you there? Because what you're going to do, when, when I put the questions up on your screen, you're going to vote for one and we're going to immediately see the results and the percentages across the congregation, okay? So if you're there, say there. All right, here we go. First question is this. All right, first question is this. What's the best Christmas treat? I know this this gets a lot of attention. Hershey Kisses. Go ahead and vote. Candy Canes, Christmas Tree Cakes. Some of y'all are already chiming in. Peppermint Bark or Chocolate Santas. All right, the votes are rolling in. Let's go. I see 24, 32. How many people? 35 have responded, 40. All right, keep going, keep them going. Which one's going to win? you got about 10 more seconds to answer this most important question because after today, that's the only treat you're going to get to eat for the rest of your life, okay? So vote vote carefully. All right, looks like Hershey Kisses and Christmas Tree Cakes are neck and neck, uh, Christmas Tree Cakes. All right, looks like Christmas Tree Cakes is the official winner. That happens to be my favorite as well. All right, let's hear it for Christmas Tree Cakes. All right next question listen that was the easy one okay they're going to get progressively harder from here so there may be some fighting in in the parking lot after the service here's the next question white lights or color lights you got a 50 50 chance on this one right come on now white lights or colored lights all right let's go looks like white lights Uh uh-oh white lights are winning out y'all are breaking my heart up here for real because i'm a color light i'll have to be honest okay Obviously, the vast majority of y'all like white lights. Listen, when Cher and I got married, this was pro- li- literally probably the first friction point in our marriage. We got married, and then Christmas came. I grew up with colored lights. She likes white lights. So the first Christmas, we went back and forth. I said, color lights. She said, white lights, color lights, white lights, color lights, white lights. Finally, we just compromised and went with white lights. <laughs> Maybe that's how it goes at your house, all right? Now, here's the third one. This one, listen. From here on out, this is gonna determine the truth regarding is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes or no? What do you got? All right. By the way, I'm not advocating you watch that movie, okay? But the fact the fact is it's just a cultural question most people say it is not a Christmas movie. That's good to know. All right. So listen, when you get into an argument in your workplace about die hard being a Christmas movie, you can say at Crossgate Church, we say it's not. A Christmas movie by two thirds majority, 68%. All right, well, that's just, listen, you got to have a little fun at church every now and again. And just as we get into the Christmas season, we want to think about not just the joys of the Christmas season, but we want to think about the glory of the Christmas season, the glory of Jesus Christ. Uh, Our theme for this Christmas season, as we said last week, is go and tell. Uh, First and foremost, based on the old Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, but also because there's a, whether you notice or not, there is a reoccurring theme in the Christmas stories in the Gospels of come and see and go and tell in some way, shape, or form. Today we're going to talk about the shepherds who heard and saw something amazing. They went and saw Jesus, and then they went away glorifying and praising God and talking to it to other people. Next week, we're going to look at the wise men. Again, the wise men come and see. They traveled a long distance. They saw Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. They experienced the glory of Jesus. And then they went back glorifying God and certainly telling other people about what they had seen. Now today, as we get into Luke chapter 2 in just a moment, I want you to think about this theme with me. Experiencing and expressing the glory of Jesus. Experiencing and expressing the glory of Jesus. Notice I did not say the glory of Christmas. Okay, I said the glory of Jesus. Because how many of y'all know that it's, it's, it's entirely possible to celebrate Christmas for 30 days straight and still miss the glory of Jesus? Isn't that true? Now look, I'm, I'm not talking about the difference between Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas, all right? I'll leave that to the culture warriors. What I'm talking about is the difference between Merry Christmas, as our culture understands it, and the glory of the newborn king. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, both experiencing that glory and then expressing that glory to other people. So The first thing, again, is we'll talk about experiencing the glory, and that's exactly what the shepherds did when it came upon a midnight clear so many years ago. Let's begin reading in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. We're talking about the glory of God this morning. Now, you got to understand something about what I just read to you. The glory of God as a manifestation on this earth had not been seen for hundreds up until this time, had not been seen for hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds, and hundreds, and hundreds of years, and all of a sudden the glorious light and the radiance of God blasted into the night in front of these shepherds. You know, when you think about the glory of God, you think about the presence of God, the manifested presence of God, something that they had seen in the Old Testament, but these people had never seen it. They'd heard about it but they'd, they'd never seen it. Sometimes you hear the word Shekinah. You, you hear people say the Shekinah glory of God. It means to dwell. The Shekinah glory, that, 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 that manifested presence. I want you to think about how powerful this was. Exodus chapter 24. The glory of God was on top of the mountain when the people of God were around at the bottom of the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. Now, later on, as many of you know, uh, God told his people to build a tent, a, a tabernacle, where his presence would actually dwell. Look at this real quick. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So now the glory of the Lord, this, this physical manifestation of God's presence, is in the tabernacle. Okay? Later on, as you know, Solomon built a temple, and once again, the glory of the Lord, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Watch this. As soon as Solomon, this is after he prayed this massive dedication prayer, which is, which is worth the read, trust me, Go back to 2 Chronicles 6 if you want to see that sometime. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Bottom line is this, when the shepherds saw the glory, God was making a massive, massive announcement, saying, I'm here once again. And of course, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. So not only do we see this this amazing glory of God, but there's a pronouncement. To you this day in the city of David is born a? savior which is christ the lord now i want you to think about that because the word savior related to the birth of jesus christ is one of the greatest words that tells us why jesus came in the first place you think about that adrian rogers put it this way watch this if our greatest need was information god would have sent an educator if our greatest need was physical healing god would have sent a doctor if our greatest need was wealth God would have sent a financial advisor, but God knew that our greatest need was salvation from sin, so he sent a Savior. So when Jesus was born as Savior, that that tells you something. I mean, think about what the angel told to Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, Jesus means Jehovah saves, for he will save his people from their sin. we're going to talk more about that on Christmas Eve. Jesus came as a Savior, very important. He's Christ, the the promised Messiah, the one on whom they had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Lord, Christ the Lord. Understand this about that word Lord. That was the name of God. That was the most intimate name that God, God had several names in the Old Testament, of course, but Lord uh, in in the original language is Yahweh. That's the most intimate name for God. In fact, when God God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 he called himself Yahweh that word is so intimate that to this day faithful Jews will not say that word faithful Jews will not even write that word out they they will abbreviate it in some way because it's so sacred and so to refer to Jesus as Yahweh Lord what what is he saying? I'll tell you this it's, it's, it's an announcement, and it's a pronouncement that the fullness of time has come. Galatians 4, verse 4, look at this. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. This is a massive, massive announcement. And, and, and the fields and the shepherds, that was the venue for the announcement. You know, politicians do this all the time. The President of the United States or some other high official has a big announcement to make that has far-reaching strategic Impacts, well, they, they've got to choose a venue somewhere. Sometimes they do it in a college commencement address. Sometimes, sometimes they do it in a speech at a military base or, or some other venue. But the announcement is always bigger than the venue. And that's the case here. Yes, you got the fields. Yes, you got the shepherds. Yes, you got the flocks. But ultimately, it's the announcement that the fullness of time has come. And if that wasn't big enough, after all of this happens, the heavenly choir is just cut loose. Pastor Rob, I know that warms your heart, brother. The, the, just the, the, heavenly, the heavenly multitudes just cut loose. Glory to God in the highest. And by the way, they were also worshiping Jesus at the same time, weren't they? How do we know that? He, get this down, because this is one of the best Christmas verses that's outside of the Gospels. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, look at this. When God brings his firstborn into the world, let all God's angels worship him. Man, you talk about the glory. The glory of Jesus experienced by these shepherds, they they make a beeline to go and see what this was all about, and they find Jesus right there with Mary and Joseph, just as God, just as the angel had told them. That's what I mean when I say the experience of the glory of Jesus. You don't want to miss that. There's so many awesome things that take place in the Christmas season, but this is the best of them all. You don't want to miss that this Christmas. Now let's talk about the flip side. The first thing I told you is I want you to to see the, the expression, excuse me, the experience of the glory of Jesus, but now let's talk about the expression of that glory, okay? Expressing the glory of Jesus. Look again in the scripture beginning in verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now the shepherds came and they expressed to Mary, to Joseph, other bystanders. We have no idea who all these people were, but but they could not help but talk about it. Expressing telling others what they had seen and heard, what they had just seen, the glory of God, the the angel's pronouncement, all of it about this baby. Now, what you see in this passage, as you unpack it, is three different responses to the message that the shepherd shared and to what they had heard. Right, Three different things. First of all, you have the people who heard it. Okay, Again, those who heard it, and, and, and they had an emotional response. Now, we don't know who all these people were, Presumably, I mean, as soon as these guys got into town, before they even got to the manger, man, they were already talk- How could you not be just talking about what you just saw and heard? So there were people here and there and whoever, and, and, and they talked to these people about what they had seen and what they had heard. Now, the Bible says that the people who heard the shepherds, again, certainly Mary and Joseph and others, they, they were in awe, they, they wondered, they marveled, depending on your translation. Now I, I don't want to be too critical of these people, okay, but in, in the margin of your Bible next to that verse where it said they marveled, they wondered, they were in awe, whatever your translation says, just write the word feels, F-E-E-L-S. They got the feels, okay? Because this word that's translated marveled or, or wondered, it, it's found 40 times in the New Testament. And every single time you find it, it references an emotional response to something. You, something amazing, something, something wild or unbelievable, and, and, and there's an emotional, it's the, re, it's the emotions of the response. Okay? Now, I have every reason to, to see that as natural. I mean, you, you hear these shepherds talking, and, and it just it stirs your emotion. You saw the glory of God? The angel talked to you? You saw an angel? Wow. There's this, there's this wonderment, this, this emotion. And listen, I love the Christmas feels, okay? I'm not a Scrooge by any means. I love the Christmas feels, whether it's some of the more secular things we enjoy during this season. I mean, listen, we, we got our decorations up. The presents start to kind of pile up around the Christmas tree. Uh, some of, the, some of the, the, the Christmas specials. Come on, listen, when I was a kid, Help me out here now, when, when many of us were children, you didn't have the DVDs and the streaming and all that, when the Christmas special programs came on, it was one night a year, baby, and if you missed it, you missed it, you had to wait for it to come around again the next year, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, I mean it was one shot and that was it, right? So I, I, I love all the feels, man, the food and everything, and I love the Jesus feels too, Right? I mean, some of these wonderful Christmas songs and, 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 and other things that take place, and we gather together, and, and uh, God willing, the weather holds out, we'll have a little candlelight, silent night and so forth around the cross out there this, this Christmas Eve. I, I love those feels as well. But the implication here is that these people got the feels, but that's all they got. Right? They, they were in awe, they, they were in wonder, but yes, but they weren't necessarily glorifying God. So that's one response. The fields are great, but hopefully there's more to it than that. Here's a second response we see: Mary, with an intellectual response. Now I got it. Okay, for two thousand years, Mary has been on a roller coaster, probably more than any other character in the Bible, uh, because you have really you have two extremes. One, you have an extreme where Mary is so venerated that she's uh, you know I mean she's basically sinless. Uh, she's a perpetual virgin. I mean like like. She and Joseph never actually had physical relations ever. That would have been like really bad. Okay, Uh, she's she's prayed to, she's almost a co-redemptrix along with Jesus. Listen, I grew up Catholic, so I I mean I I lived in that world for a long time. Okay, and that's that's one extreme. None of that is in the Bible. On the other hand, you have Mary so minimized, nobody even wants to get close to her for for for, you know fear of overemphasizing Mary. You. We we minimize her to the point that she's not even really a person almost. Well, the truth is Mary was, was an exceptionally godly young woman, an exceptionally faithful woman, young woman to God, but she was a sinner just like everybody else. She needed a Savior just like anyone else. She had to come to terms with who Jesus was just like everybody else. Why do you say this was an intellectual response, Phil? Go back and look. The Bible says Mary pondered these things in her heart. That word only shows up six times in the entire New Testament. And every single time that word shows up, it's an intellectual kind of reckoning, kind of a a discerning, kind of just I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm I'm, I'm kind of ruminating on this, I'm trying to figure out what this means. right? So here's something you got to understand. Mary, like everybody else, had to answer the most important question that will ever be asked on the face of the earth. And that question is this, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You've got to answer that question. I had to answer that question. I answered it when I was 17 years old. Mary had to answer that question. And if you look at the Bible, if you look at the entire Gospels, you see that Mary was, listen, I mean, that, this was not a slam dunk for Mary the moment that Jesus came out of her womb. Yes, in John chapter two, we see Mary very much convinced that Jesus can do anything that, that, that needs to be done at the wedding in Cana, right? But, but at the same time, Mark chapter three, go and read it. Mark chapter three, uh, Mary, along with Jesus's other half-brothers and sisters, were, were not really sure about Jesus. In fact, they, they were a little embarrassed by Jesus with, with all this, this ministry and all this publicity he was getting, right so Mary had to figure things out just like everybody else. Hey, listen, I I, I pray that you, if you have not gotten it settled in your heart who Jesus is, I pray that you are doing some discerning this Christmas season. I pray that our our worship center is filled with people on Christmas Eve that y'all have invited who, who who are trying to figure this out and ponder what we're saying about Jesus. But I can tell you this, you can spend a lifetime pondering and thinking about Jesus and still miss the glory of Jesus. Did you know that? Sure you can. You can still miss the glory of Jesus. But here's the third response, and of course this is the one we're shooting for. The shepherds had the transformational response. Okay, Look look back in the Scripture. First of all, they worshipped God. First of all, they worshipped God. They, 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 They gave glory to God. They went away from Bethlehem, back to their fields, back to their lives, giving glory and glorifying God. Now this is why I say this is a transformational response. Their lives were changed by the glory of Jesus. How do we know this? All right, now I'm going to say something for all of you English majors out there, and I know we have at least a few English teachers and tutors in our congregation. You're going to be salivating in the, in the next few moments. The rest of y'all are probably going to have a glazed-over look, okay? So just, just follow me here. That verb, to glorify, in Luke's gospel, is found eight times. Four of the times it's found as a participle. Right, of course, if you remember... Good old days, participles, you know, it's just you take a verb and you add ing to it, right? Every one of those times when it's found as a participle, and that's the case here in Luke chapter 2, it specifically references someone who's had an experience, a transformational experience, and goes away glorifying God as a new person. All right, it it happened with the shepherds. Here's the other three cases, just so you know that I'm I'm not making this up. Okay, Luke chapter 5, look at this. All right, this is the guy... Who was lowered through the roof? You know, the, the, the paralytic who was lowered through the roof so that Jesus could heal him. This is what it says. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. Same exact construct as you see in Luke chapter 2. Okay? Luke chapter 17. Watch this. Luke chapter 17. Okay? Remember the story where the 10 lepers got healed by Jesus and only one of them came back and said, Jesus, thank you? This is the story. Then one of the lepers, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. That's a transformational response, y'all. That is a life that was changed, not just physically, but spiritually. And then here's the other one, Luke chapter 18. Look at this. And immediately, this was a, a blind beggar that was healed, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You talk about a transformational response. If you meet Jesus and your life hasn't been changed, you probably didn't meet Jesus. Okay? You might have had the feels. You might have had an intellectual experience, but you did not meet the Jesus that I know. You did not meet the Jesus of the glory of Christmas. That's a transformational response. But not only did they worship God, they went and told others, right? I mean, these shepherds went, who knows where all they went? Certainly they went back to their fields, but there's other places where they would go, and they were telling other people about Jesus. They, they went and told others. That's the go and tell theme. That's why we have this theme. They went and told others. Now, let me do this for the remainder of our message. Okay? The remainder of our time is I want to tell you about how we as a church can get engaged this Christmas season. If we've truly experienced the glory of Jesus, Here's some ways that you can go and express the glory of Jesus to go and tell. All right, here's the first thing do everything within your physical power in the next two weeks to invite your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co workers, everybody to our Christmas Eve service. December 24th, 5 p.m., right here in the worship center. This is, you've heard me say this before, this is still the best day of the year, even better than Easter, the best day of the year to have lost and unchurched people come to church with you. Because there's still this cultural kind of, well, it's Christmas, I guess we ought to go to church. I mean, heck, I don't even know what they do in churches anymore, but I, I guess I need to go, right? I mean, when you, as a, as a person who knows someone else, invites them to Christmas Eve, that's why we've got these, these invite cards. They're in the rack, out there, right by the, the main entrance of the church, we've got others in Next Steps. We have no shortage of invite cards. I'm telling you, we passed out upwards of a 1,000 of these things to all the people who were at the parade on Monday night. But you can have an impact in somebody's life by inviting them to Christmas Eve. I, I promise you, the service will be fantastic, and they will hear the gospel in a very clear, plain, and relevant way of who Jesus Christ really is, is the Savior of the world so don't hesitate everywhere you go whether you know people someone's waiting on you at the restaurant wherever sonic car hop i mean this is arkansas we all go to sonic at least three times a week right i mean listen wherever you go invite them to come to christmas eve here's the second thing and i and i shared briefly about this last week but we are getting a running start this month on our outward focus initiative and campaign for the springtime called who's your one Who's your one? We talked about it last week. Who's your one is super, super simple. That's where you ask God to lay someone on your heart, one person who either you know is lost—I mean, for real, like you—you you have every reason to believe this person is flat out lost. They don't know Jesus Christ. They—they—they they, they have no s- salvation in their life. Okay, or someone that you're not sure. I mean, you haven't really talked to them about it. They certainly don't come across as someone who's following Jesus, but you just don't know. Right, especially in Garland County and in, in, in hot springs, we have the Garland County assumption. Oh, everyone's saved in Garland County. No, they're not. Right? So who's that one that one person? Right? And then and then you begin to pray for them. And then at some point in time between January 1st and Easter Sunday, which is April 9th, you invite them to church. We're gonna have a series of messages leading up to Easter called Meeting Jesus at the Crossroads of Life with an evangelistic emphasis. Perfect opportunity to invite those people to church. But who is that one person? Pastor Keith is going to put on a display out in our mall area with a banner, a vinyl banner. And what we're going to ask you to do is whoever your one person is, write their first name on that banner. Once the Lord lays them on your heart in January, write them just the first name, not last name, not social security number, not address, and any of that, just first name. This is my one. This is the person I'm praying for. And then, as God allows, as God provides opportunity, invite them to church. Share your personal salvation testimony with them and ask them if they would like to trust Jesus as well. Now, we've got a video queued up, and I'm gonna ask you to watch the screen just for a moment. This is from Pastor J.D. Greer, the Summit Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, a solid, solid leader in church uh, who has done Who's Your One. This, this This is something that's been done in many churches uh, in, in, across the country, but listen to what Pastor J.D.
0: has to say. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should, but a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one co-worker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one In our church, we've learned that there's nothing that we can do that is quite as effective at reaching people as simply equipping our members to carry the gospel to people outside of the church. It's not programs that reach people. It's not mailers that reach people. It's not sermons that reach people. It's people that reach people. And it is individual people um, having a relationship with one person that they're using that relational bridge to, to share the gospel with them and live the gospel out in front of them. That is the heart of the Great Commission. It's multiplying disciples, making multiplying disciples. So my one is uh, a guy that is one of my uh, high school daughter's teachers that we just really hit it off. He's not from the United States. Uh, he's new to Christianity, but he's just got a ton of questions. And in the last six months or so, he's accepted two of my invitations to come. And I come to one of our church services. I invited him recently to, to begin reading the Gospel of John with me, which he uh, he said, I sat down to read the Gospel of John, just a chapter or two. He said, by the time I got up from my chair, I would read the entire thing. And he showed me he had these Just pages and pages of of notes and questions that he said, I can't wait to discuss. He's agreed to start coming to church regularly now. So I'm praying that the day will soon come when I will see him express faith in Christ. I've got my one. And now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one?
1: All right, that's a great question. Who's Your One? Now, how many of y'all ever remember playing the little game, the little word game called Mad Libs? It's like a little, little, little paper book, and, and, and there would be a little story there with little blanks, and you'd fill in the blank with different words, a noun, a, an adverb, whatever. You know, the other person would fill in the stuff, and then you'd read it, and it would make some crazy little story, and everyone would laugh. Well, this is our version of the Who's Your One Mad Libs, okay? <laughs> kind of. This is the Who's Your One 30-day prayer guide. We've got a table out in the mall area with stacks and stacks of these laid out for you. Here's how this works. It goes for 30 days, and every single day, on one side of the book, it's got a prayer that you can pray for that one person, whoever that one person is. And on the other side, it's got some things to write notes down and so forth. But here's the thing about the prayer. Every day has a blank, two or three blanks in it, and you, you specifically fill in the name of your one. So if, if my one happens to be a guy named Jonathan, then I'll write Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan in the blanks. And then when I pray the prayer, it'll say, Father, give me faith to obey you in all things so Jonathan can experience firsthand a life that has been transformed by your spirit, and so forth and so on. This is a great, great resource. So the reason why we're promoting this today is because we're asking you to go ahead and get a prayer guide today, begin praying about who your one should be, so that when January 1st rolls around, boom, you're ready to hit the ground running. We're not like, the first time you're hearing about it is Sunday, January 1st. All right, so get a prayer guide today and begin to think about and pray about who that one is for you. Have you experienced the glory of Jesus? Then it's time to express the glory of Jesus to somebody in your life. Let's pray.
0: We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer@crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.